We're going to be looking at um, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 to 4, so it would be great help uh, for you tonight if you could have that in front of you as we look at that together. It's on page 1201 in the Church Bibles. Before we read from God's Word, let's just pray. Father God, we thank you for your Word. Lord, we thank you for your majesty and for your glory and for all that you have done for us. Lord, we thank you, uh, Lord, for our salvation as individuals, Lord, that you have reached down and saved us. And Lord, we thank you that that offer of salvation is open to all. And uh, Lord, we just rejoice uh, in you as our Savior, uh, now seated in the throne in high. And Lord, I pray that you would help us now as we come to look at your word. I pray that you would open it up to us and help us, Father, as we bring our prayers to you later on in the service. In Jesus' name, amen. So Hebrews uh, chapter 1. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs." Well, if we uh, think back into the Old Testament, we find that there were three very important uh, people or roles that people had in Israel. Uh, first of those was king. If you were the king in Israel, then you had the job of leading the people uh, in a godly way, of uh, walking in God's ways, of, of keeping to God's law. Uh, of representing the people of God to the other nations of the world, um, of administering justice, and of being a godly example in public and private life. Uh, then secondly, there were the prophets. And if you were a prophet, then your job would be to bring God's Word to the people, uh, to interpret the times and the events uh, that were happening in the world. Very often you have these sort of political dramas that happen between Israel and the other nations. Uh, and the Israelites get all worried about, you know, what's going to happen and what should we do and everything else. And the prophets provide God speaking into these events. Uh, ironically, uh, Israel was more concerned with the state of the nations, but actually God was concerned with the state of the hearts of the people uh, rather than in the nations. Uh, and there were the priests as well, a third group of people who were responsible for mediating between the people 
and God, bringing God's Word to the people uh, and taking sacrifices uh, and presenting them to the Lord for the forgiveness uh, of the sins of the people. And, of course, one of those uh, priests was the, the great, uh, the, the high priest who had the special responsibility uh, of presenting a sacrifice once every year uh, for the sins of the whole nation of Israel. Uh, and that process was a, a, a kind of a symbolic uh, uh, action uh, as we will see, it was, there was a lot of symbolism in it, but it happened year after year after year. So three people, the kings, the prophets, and the priests. Uh, and these roles in the Old Testament were not uh, mixed up together. So we find King Saul in the Old Testament being reprimanded for carrying out uh, a priestly duty that should have been done by Samuel. But in this passage and in the New Testament, we see these three roles being combined in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, King, Prophet, Great High Priest. Uh, if you look at uh, verses 1 and 2, you will see uh, uh, that Jesus, in his role as a prophet, is alluded to. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, uh, and in verse 2, Jesus is portrayed as, uh, in his sort of kingly role, uh, he is the heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. This is his. And uh, on in verse 3, Jesus' role as priest is described. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Uh, and if we were to go on uh, to read through Hebrews chapter 7, 8, 9, and 10, uh, we would see uh, at great length how Jesus is not only a priest, but uh, Jesus is the great high priest who has completed the task of that Old Testament priest who provided sacrifices year after year after year. Jesus is the one high priest who has done everything, presented himself as a sacrifice once for all time, and then sat down at the right hand of the Father. Now, I'm tasked with uh, telling you what Jesus is doing now. Well, I don't have great divine inspiration to uh, offer you a full picture, but what we can do uh, is to, to gather some facts from uh, this book of Hebrews. Uh, and as we've said, looked at just now in verse 3, after he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the Father. He sat down. And if you look on at verse 13 of chapter 1, we see that Jesus is still sitting at the right hand of the Father and will do so until finally all evil is ended uh, in this world. And there's a particular significance, I think, to the fact that Jesus is described as sitting. Think, for example, of a king, a king who goes out into battle. Uh, he has a, a great victory on the field, and then he comes back from the field of battle, and he sits on his throne, and he can rule in power and authority because he has already won that victory. His work in the battlefield 
enables him to rule with power and authority seated on his throne. The same is true uh, of a prime minister. You have an election battle where, uh, you know, there's a hard-fought contest with the opponents and the opposition. But once that battle is won, he has his mandate, and he or she rules uh, with that mandate. You know, we all know about a, a seat in Parliament. A seat in Parliament is given to, you know, a member of the government who has been a part of that winning side in the battle. And to sit in Parliament is not, uh, is not a description of inactivity, of sitting and doing nothing. It is a description of sitting in a position of power and authority that has been granted to you through the winning of a victory. Uh, and when we talk of Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father, we are talking of Jesus who is sitting actively ruling in power and authority because a great victory has been won. Sadly, there are some uh, worship songs which give a very dis different impression. I don't know about you, but there's a, a song that I particularly dislike, which is called, Jesus, We Enthrone You. Uh, and I thought of that song uh, as I was preparing this, because the words go something like this. Jesus, we enthrone you. We proclaim you our King. We lift you up with our praise. As we worship, we build a throne. Surely, that sentiment is completely wrong. Jesus is now crowned in glory and honor and praise because he has already won the victory. We are not building a throne for him. Our worship is not contributing to the building of his throne. These things are already won. These things uh, are victories uh, that have been won. What difference does this make to us as we uh, come to pray tonight that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father? Well, just a few quick pointers. Uh, first of all, freedom from sin. Freedom from sin. Jesus has provided the sacrifice once for all time, has replaced that great priest in the Old Testament, that, that, that most high of the priests, who, who provided sacrifices year after year after. Jesus has replaced this priest. Jesus is the great high priest who has sacrificed himself once for all time so that we may have freedom from sin. This is a finished work. Satan would love to whisper in your ear that that's not the case. Satan would love to whisper in your ear that uh, there is something inadequate about your salvation, that somehow you're not good enough, or that no matter how much you've repented before, actually, um, you still need to repent. It's not quite enough. If the Son shall set you free, you shall be free indeed because the work of Christ is a finished work and we are living and walking in that victory that he has won. And as we pray for others, we need to remember that freedom from sin is freely available 
for those who come to Christ. Nobody is beyond salvation. There is no situation which is beyond redemption in someone's life. There is no one who is without hope. Uh, and that difficult task of, of freeing someone from sin, well, that's already been won. It's been won. And our prayers is that the grace of God would be accepted. That that freedom from sin that has already been won would be received and accepted. Think in your minds of the, of the maybe the most sinful situation or person that you can ever think of. Jesus has already paid the price of that sin. And so when we pray, we're praying that God in his mercy and in his grace uh, would just let that saving grace be effective in the lives of that person, that they would come to accept what has already been won for them. So we can boldly pray for the acceptance of grace. Uh, secondly, we can have confidence in the sovereignty of God. We live in a world which seems to be dominated by governments and by politics where economic negotiations between uh, world powers determine our standard of living. Political talks seem to uh, determine our security and safety. Environmental talks, well, they seem to govern our health and our future. Uh, government makes decisions about what is right and what is wrong. And we can find ourselves listening to the news and kind of wringing our hands and thinking, oh, everything's going pear-shaped and uh, it's all going all wrong and what are we going to do now? And we forget that there is a higher authority because Jesus Christ has won the victory. Jesus Christ is ruling from his throne at the right hand of God. There is a higher authority than all of these nations. Psalm 2 talks about the uh, the kings of the earth and the nations being in rebellion against God. Let's throw off the chains. Let's forget God's laws. What does God do? God is so high and so mighty that he, he laughs, as it were, at their futile rebellion because they are so puny and says, I have installed my king in Zion. My King, the Lord Jesus Christ, seated at the right hand of the Father. Communist China says, there is no religion. Religion is poison. There will be no religion in our country. The Lord laughs at that. What happened in China was a spiritual vacuum opened up. Today there are something like 60 million Christians in China. The Lord laughs at the rulers and the authorities of this world because he is so much higher and mighty and powerful than the rulers of this land. So as we come to pray, we need to lift our eyes beyond the boss at work, beyond the latest legislation, beyond the international situation, beyond the seemingly hopeless to the Lord who is seated in power and has already won the victory. These situations are as nothing for our Lord. 
And finally, before a trap door opens and I get into the baptistry below because I've gone over my time, um, we can have confidence in the gospel. Jesus said to Peter, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not uh, prevail against it. I will build my church, Jesus says. He's doing it. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, building His church. He invites us to participate. We are not building the church and praying for, for help. We are participating in the work that Christ is doing. Christ is building His church because He is seated at the right hand of the Father and He has the power and the authority to do so. And because of that, because Christ is building His church, we can pray with great confidence in our evangelism, in our witness, in our work as church, for mission overseas, Christ is building His church, and He invites us to participate in prayer. So pray big, pray in faith, and pray in confidence, because He really is seated at the right hand of the Father, ruling in all power and authority and majesty.